like that. You Hello, one and all, and welcome that. to like this Blackman. Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Uh, it's not as exciting of an episode as we've had <laughs> in the past. Maybe you guys will enjoy it. Maybe you guys will enjoy this episode. But before we get into today's episode, make sure you follow Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, listen right now, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan with the show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. It should pop up. Make sure you subscribe and like both. Click on some blog posts. We have a blog post on the LoganBlackmanShow.com. Go to the blog section and click on the latest Week 13 quarterback prospect rankings. You can check those out. It's like a 37-minute read or something, so if you're really dedicated to reading, I would recommend doing that. But then again, most importantly, Make sure you're following the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you're listening right now and you're not sure if you're following or subscribed, just scroll down or scroll up, whichever way, I, I don't know, and then click the subscribe button or the follow button. Make sure you leave a five-star rating or rating out of five stars. Sorry, it doesn't need to be a five-star rating. And leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. Now, my voice is a little weird today. I, I It's just I got a little scratchy throat right now, but we're gonna, we're trying to tough it out. We're trying to tough it out. I mean, we have to record some today because what happened on Saturday, there was a lot of eventful things that have happened this weekend that I feel like we just need to talk about. <clears throat> and starting off, I feel like we just got to start talking about the World Cup. I think that's the most important thing to talk about right now. And the thing that happened in the World Cup on Saturday was that the United States lost to the Netherlands. Yes, the United States lost to the Netherlands. They lost 3-1 to one. And you got goals from Memphis Depay, Daly Blind, and Denzel Dumfries. Denzel Dumfries got two assists in the game. Daly Blind got the other one to Denzel Dumfries for his goal with the third. Haji Wright scored the goal for the United States. And yes, they lost 3-0. Or 3-1, sorry, 3-1. So they didn't get blanked. They didn't get blanked. So that, 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 that's the positive here. But this game was just so predictable in regards to what the Dutch national team was going to do. We literally talked about what they were going to do on Friday. Like, they're sitting back, they're a tight-knit group, they're going to sit back and try to drill you on the counterattack. The three goals the Dutch scored all came off counterattack chances where the United States were just caught flat-footed defensively. And when you look at what the Dutch did in the midfield and what they did just throughout the game, they forced the movement out wide. Because so far this tournament, what can we say about the United States? It's that they dominated the midfield areas. Tyler Adams, Jonas Musa, and Weston McKinney all had fantastic tournaments. They were arguably the three best players for the United States this tournament, along with Pulisic and Matt Turner, Dest, Robinson, whatever. But the United States got most of their chances through the midfield. Tyler Adams has covered the most ground so far this tournament. Obviously, that's going to change because he's not going to play the next few games. But so far to this point in the tournament, nobody has covered more ground than Tyler Adams so far in the 2022 World Cup. He's been awesome. But the Dutch forced all the action on the outside, which gave a lot of room for Dest and Robinson to work. And Dest was really, you could tell he was up for the game because he obviously, uh, being from the Netherlands, playing in the IX youth team, playing with some of the players that are on the Dutch national team. But he didn't have his best game ever. You could see he was really into it. Like, Anthony Robinson, same thing. Anthony Robinson was really into the England game. Anthony Robinson put forth a very, very good performance against England. He was arguably the man of the match against England. Dest was not. Dest had an all right game. I'm not going to sit here and say Dest was awful, but Dest, Dest was not, it wasn't his best game of the tournament. And for the United States, all you can look at in saying this with this tournament after losing 3 1 to the Netherlands is this is going to be a tournament that is viewed just with a bunch of missed opportunities. There are so many failed opportunities the United States had in this tournament that they could have either capitalized on and won games. Hell, maybe they win the group. 
Maybe they win the group. Maybe they beat the Netherlands on Saturday. Maybe they don't draw Wales. Maybe they beat Iran more than they do and don't sit back as much. This tournament was just full of missed opportunities like against Wales. Why are you sitting back so much in the second half? You dominated them in the first half, and then you sit back completely in the second half and bite the pressure, and then you get a penalty. Granted, it was a very stupid penalty that Walker Zimmerman just went right through the back of Gareth Bale, but you shouldn't have had yourself in that situation. Like, we can be upset like I was after the game where you're like, oh, the refs are awful, Wales was flying all over the place, oh my god, it was awful. But you can't, it's like, it's like playing for a field goal instead of trying to win the game. Trying to play for a field goal. Go on to win the game. Stop trying to play for a field goal. The Bills did this against the Browns a few years ago. They've done it a few times this year as well, where they just go out and play for the field goal. Teams do it all the time. And it's insanely frustrating. You're moving the ball well. Why do you just start running the ball? You're moving the ball down the field really well. Why are you getting scared now that you're getting close to the end zone? Why are you getting so why are you getting so hesitant now? And now we're gonna start running the ball and then we're gonna play for a field goal. And that's what we saw the United States do against Wales. We saw them dominate the first half, absolutely play Wales off the pitch in that first game against Wales. And then completely sit back. And then it was a completely different game than what we saw early on in the game. Wales started coming in on the attack more. The United States kept inviting pressure and wasn't hitting anything on the counterattack. It sucked. And then against England, great performance. Shame to not come away with a goal there. They should have definitely come away with one in there. Christian Pulisic smacked off the crossbar for a chance against England. They had some opportunities in that game as well. Iran, they had Christian Pulisic score the goal. Tim Weah scored a goal, but it was ruled offsides. And then you invited pressure. You played a 5-4-1 a formation to see out the game. A 5-4-1 formation to see out the game. And then the game against uh, the Netherlands. You play with a 4-3-3, which was kind of expected. We kind of talked about them playing with a back five to kind of counteract the fact that the Dutch are playing with a back five, which, again, I think would have been the right move in this case. Because you saw in a few times this game where they started Walker Zimmerman again. No offense to Walker Zimmerman, he's just not a great athlete. That's where I think Cameron Carter-Vickers would have been wise to start in this game, or at least play with a back five, so you have Zimmerman and Carter-Vickers in this game. Then you have, obviously, the the dilemma of who's going to play up top. But with the United States over this tournament, the strikers have been basically passengers the entire time, apart from Josh Sargent, who's been clearly the best striker the United States has. But he's hurt. So when you've got Josh Sargent in, hurt, who's been the best striker, your options are Haji Wright, who started against England, played a few minutes in the game against Iran, I think he played a little bit against Wales, if I remember correctly. Did nothing the entire tournament. Jesus Ferreira started the game against the Netherlands. Did absolutely nothing. Jesus Ferreira was a freaking passenger the entire time. It was like the United States was playing with 10 men the entire time because Ferreira was just nothing there. Nothing was going with with Ferreira up top. And this was the first minutes he saw in the World Cup. He got subbed off at halftime. He did absolutely nothing for the United States in the game against the Netherlands or the rest of the tournament. And this was a guy that everybody expected Greg, Greg Berhalter to start as their number nine. And then you look at Haji Wright and Jesus Ferreira, and people are going to start questioning even more the fact that Jordan Pifok and Ricardo Pepe did not make the World Cup roster. And now, I don't really care about Pifok missing the roster, because again, Pifok uh, was in really bad form by the time the World Cup qualifying got, right by the time the squad announcement was, about time the United States were about ready to just announce their squad. So I understand that. But Pepe was getting in form. He was getting in the squad when he wasn't in form. And then now when he was getting in form, now he's all of a sudden taken out of the squad. Ferreira and Haji Wright did absolutely nothing in this tournament. Absolutely nothing. It was ridiculous. And then Jordan Morris, Shaq Moore didn't really do anything this tournament either. Shaq Moore stunk this tournament in the two games he played. 
Because he played, he got on the field against England, he got on the field against Iran. Did absolutely nothing. Like Clint Dempsey said after the game against Iran, he had his hands up in the air doing things wrong than what he was doing right. He was more holding his hands up in apology than actually, like, doing things good. Playing the ball to the defenders, not being able to run past. Not, it, it was just a frustrating-ass performance from Shaq Moore, who was kind of excited seeing the World Cup squad. To a surprise. I didn't think he'd play. But I, did, I didn't hate the selection of Shaq Moore because, obviously, I was there in Kansas City. We scored the goal against Canada in 20 seconds. I know that has nothing to do with this current stage of World Cup qualifying and all that and the squad announcement in the World Cup because it was a year ago. It was a year and a half ago. So it didn't really matter, but I was excited to see him in the squad. But Jordan Morris uh, did nothing. Did absolutely nothing when he came on against, um, what was the first game against Wales? Absolutely nothing there. They were talking about Jordan Morris boring up in the game against the Netherlands as well. Yeah, it's just, it was just insanely, insanely frustrating to watch from a, a fan perspective that last game against the Netherlands because Louis van Gaal said it at the end of the game, the United States did not adjust. They didn't adjust at all. They just kept inviting pressure. They do decent attacks, but then get caught out in the back foot on the counterattack. Like the, sec- the, the third goal they scored, Antti Robinson was tucked so far in, Denzel Dumfries could have taken like 15 touches before taking the shot, before scoring past Matt Turner. Like, the Netherlands, I don't think, dominated this game. The scoreline's really unfair to what actually happened in the game, but you have to be able to counteract those counterattacks. You have to be able to defend against that. The United States has a lot of speed on the outside back spot with Robinson and Des being two of the fast players on the team, but Robinson got completely caught out in the goal that Dunfries scored. Des got called out a couple times, caught out a couple times, especially on the goal by Dunfries. Like, the two first goals both came, they were all, the three of the goals were the exact same thing. Exact same thing. Both went down the wing, all three of them went down the wings, crossed across the box, and someone just took it first time. I don't remember if Dumfries took it first time, but it, was, it felt like it. Dilly Blind even scored with his right foot, he's left-footed, and he's like damn near 35 years old. Playing left wing back. Like, I shouldn't be here like, oh, the Netherlands are a great team. The Netherlands are a great team. The United States shouldn't have really beaten the Netherlands. I should be sitting there like that. I shouldn't be pissed off after losing a game like that. But no, they, they again, it's just more opportunities they missed. Pulisic missed a shot, missed a chance in like the fourth minute of the game. Against a team like the Netherlands, you have to score those chances. You're not going to get a lot of those chances because the Netherlands, again, are a very tight, compact unit defensively. You look at their back three. Ake, Van Dyke, and Timber. Great defenders. Great, great defenders. You're not going to get these opportunities. Midfield, Frankie de Jong. Martin Deroot, you're not going to get these opportunities. Coop Myers came in the second half. The opportunities you get against these high-level teams are not going to be fruitful. So when you have a chance like that, where you're one-on-one with against the goalkeeper, who was not even supposed to play this tournament, and says their only international appearances for, for uh, Newport have been this tournament. He's got four appearances for the Netherlands national team. All four have come this tournament. Never played for the Dutch national team ever until this tournament. He's playing for Haravine over in, in, the, in the Dutch league. Pulisic has to score those chances. And then if you're Greg Berhalter, I, I think Greg Berhalter, like for all the criticism aside, I think he did a good job at recruitment. You look at some of the players he brought over to the United States, like Sergio Dest, like Anthony Robinson, like Yunus Musa, all key players for the United States men's national team. But some of his squad selections are just kind of head-scratching. The starting lineups are fine. Like, fine enough. But then his substitutions, in-game adjustments are just not there. 
like we know we've talked about this before. The fact Giovanni Reina, he played, he came on the first, the the second half against the Netherlands, came on at halftime, and it was just like what what was the point of bringing him on now? And you're playing him as a false nine. I don't even know what the formation was at the end of the game, really. I don't know who was playing striker. No, Pulisic, Way, or Reina were all playing striker. They're kind of just floating around the middle of the field. Giovanni Reina, guaranteed time, played, what, 52 minutes out of, what, 360 potential. Like, just guaranteed time. 52 minutes out of 360 total minutes of guaranteed time. That's not including added time at the end of halves and stuff like that. Because that would make it worse, honestly. We look at the end of halves and the end of games, how much added time they're adding on this World Cup, it'd make the numbers look a lot worse. And then to go after the game and say we don't have any players like Memphis Depay playing in the Champions League. Depay hasn't done anything in the Champions League for like two years. Is he just oblivious to the fact that Christian Pulisic was playing for Chelsea when they won the Champions League and actually was like not just a pastor on the team, was actually contributing to Chelsea when they won the Champions League? Like, do we forget about this now? Weston McKinney has scored more goals in the Champions League than Memphis Depay has recently for Juventus. It's like, there's all these little excuses that are like, okay, what does that have to do with anything? Then the whole conversation about if he asked Giovanni Reina to fake an injury or said he was, or told him to tell the media that he had an injury or something like that. I don't know what's going on, but I don't think Berhalter will be the coach for the next World Cup. I don't think he will be. And it's not even a tournament like you could sit back, like before the tournament. My mindset before the tournament, as I sit here right now, are two completely different mindsets. After I watch the United States in this tournament, I can actually go, wow, they look really good. And then they proceed to get beat 3-1 by the Netherlands because they can't adjust and keep getting drilled on the counterattack. Absolutely floored on the counterattack. And game adjustments weren't there. He got stubborn with some of his player selections, and it cost he got absolutely outcoached by Louis van Gaal, which is not a bad thing. I mean, a lot of people have got outcoached by Louis van Gaal. He's one of the best coaches in the world. He's been around forever. He's 71 years old. He's been around forever. He's been to a World Cup semifinals before. He's won Champions Leagues. Like, this dude dances on Greg Berhalter's CV. Absolutely dances on him. Like, Greg Berhalter was an all-right manager with the MLS with the Columbus crew. And then now, we're t- now he's the manager of the National League going up against Louis van Gaal. And I know the English fans have said a lot of similar things about Gareth Southgate in the past because Gareth Southgate, apart from managing Middlesbrough, has done absolutely nothing in managerial in managerial terms. He coached the under eight, uh, the under twenty one team, I believe, for the England national team, and now he's coached the English national team. The problem is England got a very, 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 very wide selection of players, and they've been to the semifinals of the World Cup, and they made it to the finals of the Euros. So he's got time. But when you look at this World Cup for the United States, and what could have been. You're left wanting more than what you were wanting back when back in early November. Like players like Giovanni Reina, Brendan Aronson, coming off the bench, Joe Scaley not even registering a single minute in this tournament. Jesus Ferrer not registering a single minute until he started against the Netherlands. Until he started against the Netherlands. And we said that would have been a possibility, but we said before the game on Friday that the lineup I thought the United States would go with, if they were going to change up with a back five, be Haji right up top, because he's going to stick with the three up front. That's what he's always done. Because if you listen to any press conference, he's not been like, oh, we never even thought about playing Tim Weah or Pulisic or whoever. 
as a striker, even though Tim Weah has experience playing striker when he was first getting called up. Playing for BSG, playing for Celtic. He's played a lot at striker. So he could have been your option at striker, and he starts Giovanni Reyna on the right wing. Like, Giovanni Reyna starting in this game is very smart in regards to possession-based team. Like, the United States needed to be against the Netherlands, who are going to, again, try and kill him on the counterattack. It's just a... It's just frustrating. It's frustrating. This is a tournament of missed opportunities. This is a tournament of what could have been. I'm not sitting here and saying the United States would have won the damn thing. I'm not saying that at all. But I think if the United States lived up to their potential, I think they can beat the Netherlands. I said it on Friday, and I believe that's still on Sunday. Games happened. Game lost. Whatever. I still believe the United States could have beaten the Netherlands. They're not, like, far off the Netherlands in regards to squad talent. I think the, United, the Netherlands' best players are better than the United States' best players. But in regards to just squad, I don't think they're too insanely different. I would take Matt Turner over Nopert in net easily. Matt Turner showed out this tournament. Matt Turner needs to go on loan or leave Arsenal pretty soon. Otherwise, he's going to be stuck on the bench like Stefan was at City. And then who knows? But I think Turner, giving his performances in the Gold Cup, giving his performances in this World Cup, I think he's the number one going throughout. Matt Turner has been amazing for the United States, and his distribution has been unreal from when he first started playing for the United States. The levels that he's risen while as the goalkeeper for the United States is ridiculous, and I'm really happy about that. Like Tyler Adams, I'd take him over Martin DeRoon. Not Martin DeRoon. Jeez. Martin DeRoon. I would take him over Martin DeRoon. Jonas Moose or, West, or Weston McKinney, I would take them over Davy Clausen. Anthony Robinson versus Daly Blind. Just because Daly Blind's older, I might take Anthony Robinson. Like, there's not a big discrepancy. I mean, the systems are different. The Dutch play a 5-2-1-2. The United States play a 4-3-3. They're different systems, but there are players I would take in the United States over the players in the Netherlands. And that might be crazy, but that's, that's how I'm feeling right now. Now, all that being said, I do think it's nice uh, momentum. For the 2026 World Cup, there's a lot of people wanting the United States to go down to Copa America, which I think would be really good for them. Test them against some of the best because they already made it. Gold Cup's not needed at this point. The Gold Cup for the United States in uh, the coming years, or the, the within the next four years, will just be what the 2021 Gold Cup was. It'll be a squad filler tournament. I don't really think we'll see the best players in the United States playing the Gold Cup. I can honestly see we have two teams for the United States. Go one to the, the Copa America, one to the Gold Cup. The best players going to the Copa America. But again, I, I think the United States built a lot mo- a lot of momentum for this tournament. Like, you look at some of the players, by the time the 2026 World Cup rolls around, Pulisic will be 27, Adams will be 27, Reyna will be 23, McKinney will be 27, Aronson will be 25, Chris Richards, who wasn't in the squad due to injury, will be 26, Joe Scaly, who didn't play a single minute in this tournament, will be 23, Antti Routes will be 28, Carmen Carter-Vickers will be 28, Eunice Musso will be 23, Dest will be 25, and Tim Weah will be 26. So the United States has got the pieces there. I'm not saying they'll go out and win the 2026 World Cup, but this team's confident. This is a very close-knit group that is extremely confident in themselves. And you get that when you have a very young, inexperienced team. And it's like an unbridled confidence. Maybe they shouldn't be that confident. Maybe they shouldn't be that brash or whatever. But they are. And I love that about this team. This United States team was the best United States team ever, and they failed to make it out of the quarterfinals against the team that they could have beaten had they actually capitalized on their opportunities. 
They had a ton of opportunities in this game. Haji Wright had a one-on-one with Nooper and took a massive-ass touch, basically just played it out of bounds. They had opportunities to win this game. They had opportunities to have a more comfortable win against Iran. They had, a, they had many opportunities to kill Wales. They had opportunities to beat England. Like we could be sitting here completely different going the United States came out of the group with nine points. We're talking about them playing Senegal today, which is who England's playing. If things go a little bit differently. And yet we're sitting here on, on, December, on December 4th talking about the United States losing to the Netherlands and being out another quarterfinals. So they went out in the quarterfinals this one. They went out in the quarterfinals in 2014, 2010. I'm tired of the quarterfinals. <laughs> I'm tired of the quarterfinals. But again, I, I am appreciative to what Burhalter did in his time. You look what he did. I mean, he won the Nation League finally, beat Mexico three times, won a gold cup with a backup team, made a really together, tight-knit squad. Recruitment was really good. But I don't, I don't think he'll be the manager for the next World Cup. I don't know who will be. Maybe it's Jesse Marsh. But it doesn't need to be an American to be the next manager. People were linking the Saudi Arabia managers, coached the Ivory Coast in the past, and Zaire. Like he's done some good things as a as a manager. So maybe they look at him. Maybe they look at someone for a, with a lot of experience, like Jose Marino. Probably not. I don't want Jose Marino, but I don't know. It's going to be interesting to them. The next manager is maybe it is Jesse Marsh. Maybe Jesse Marsh is the next guy for the United States. If he wants to stay at club level, that works. But if we're talking about just best American manager, that's Jesse Marsh. We'll see what happens when he's done at Leeds or if he's done at Leeds or whatever. But this team needs a manager that's willing to adjust on the fly and not just sit back immensely after getting the lead. Like, there was part of me... When Memphis Depay scored against the United States yesterday, I was like, man, I'm kind of happy the United States went down early. So that way they can go on the front foot. They're not sitting back the entire time. Because against a team like the Netherlands, with all the quality that they have in that team, I guarantee if the United States scored at the same time Memphis scored, they're sitting back the entire game. Inviting the pressure on. I hate when teams do that. It's like playing prevent defense in football. I watched the Bills do it against the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs. I absolutely hate prevent defense. Prevent defense prevents you from winning. Remember? Remember the old saying? That's kind of what happens when you sit completely back and play a 5-4-1 formation. Even though they got lucky against Iran because they have more quality just naturally than Iran does. But yeah, I don't don't think Berhalter will be the next manager. I don't know who will be. Maybe it's Jesse Marsh. Maybe it's someone else completely different. I don't know. But again, he doesn't need to be American. Whoever it is, they don't need to be American. It's nice to have them be an American, but they don't need to be. They're talking about getting the guy from Canada. Canada's manager, getting him. I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. But this United States team is talented as hell. And I'm excited to see where they go from here. And if you're looking at the next World Cup, just quickly, because I didn't really plan this, but I'm looking at that that age thing right now the United States World Cup roster or at least the the starting lineup for the 2026 World Cup because I know it's it's never too early to predict four years in the future but I think it'd be crazy not to go Matt Turner net Matt Turner is the best option the United States have he will be 20 or 31 by the time the next World Cup runs around actually I don't know when it starts he might be 30 he might be 32 either way not not old for a goalie not old for a goalie 
should be close to what? I don't know, 70 caps at that point for the United States. If everything goes swimmingly. And the back the four the United States with the, what they got in midfield, they gotta stay with a four three three. You got Dest at right back. Robson will probably stay at left back, but I think Scaly could burst burst in there a little bit. Hopefully Scaly just gets more minutes. Scaly will be a backup right back or left back, whatever. I think he could start at one of those two spots as well. Then we're looking at the center back partnership. Um it's weird because Miles Robinson's really, really good, but I think it might be Chris Richards, I think, will have will be one of the starters at that point. I mean, every, the the United States Soccer Federation loves themselves with Chris Richards. He's very talented, so I think he'll be one of the starters. And then are we looking at Cameron Carter-Vickers if he keeps playing the way he does? Or are we looking at, like, Mark McKenzie, who's playing really well for Genk? That's obviously going to fast-forward four more years, so we don't know where he's going to be at. We don't know where any of these players are going to be at the time. Maybe they're all at the same clubs. Maybe they're all at different clubs. Who knows? But Miles Robinson, I think, if he mentioned up there, so we might be looking at what Richards, Carter, Vickers, McKenzie, and Robinson, Miles Robinson, for center backs, with the likes of Dest, Scaly, Robinson, Anthony Robinson. I think Miles Robinson will be at a European club at that point. Um, Brian Reynolds, does he finally get back in the team? Maybe. There's some young players that'll get called up as well. Midfield three, we already know again. Adams, Musa, McKinney, they'll be all up there. I bet Luca De La Torre will still be around the squad. Um, who else will be around the squad still? Uh, Johnny Cordoso is getting linked with some moves over in Europe, so we'll see if that one actually takes place. Malik Tillman should be around the squad. Uh, Jordi Mihailovic, he's, he should be around the squad. I think he's getting a move uh, over in Europe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to Azad Alkmaar in, in the Eredivisie in, in Netherlands. So I think Jordi Mihailovic could be back in the squad at that point. Who else? Is there any young midfielders that I'm completely just blanking on at this point? Maybe Kellen Acosta is still around at that point. He could get a move to Europe at some point. Brendan Aronson will be around. And then you got up the forward positions. They've got to figure out their striker position. But, uh... Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Maybe Taylor... Can Taylor Booth play striker? <laughs> I don't think he can, but he played more of a number 10. Yeah, central midfield. Okay. Whatever. Taylor Booth's been balling out for, for Utrecht right now over in the Netherlands, in the Eredivisie. So he'll be in the squad probably. Pepe will probably be the striker, I guess. And then Reyna and Pulisic on the wings. So not a very dissimilar lineup to what you have right now, but that's what you get when you have an extremely young squad who has a lot of their best players playing in this tournament. Like, it's funny to look at, like, England's 2018 World Cup squad, their final squad, like they're starting 11, and then looking at what it is now. Like, you, if I'm remembering correctly, it was like, Pickford, Trippier at right wing back, then Walker, Stones, Maguire, and then Ashley Young at left wing back. Midfield three of Jesse Lingard, Jordan Henderson, and Deli Alley, and then strike partnership of Harry Kane and Raheem Sterling. Right now, the first lineup of this tournament for England was, I believe, Pickford, Trippier, Stones, Maguire, Shaw, Bellingham, Rice, Saka, Mount, Sterling. I don't know why I blinked on Sterling. And uh, Harry Kane. So it's, it's just funny how things can change over the course of four years, but people like Ashley Young were not going to be around the squad for that much longer. He, it was a fact, The fact that he made that squad was it was cool, but yeah, it wasn't going to happen again, especially with the age he was at the time. So he wasn't going to make it. So the United States, like Tim Ream will be that guy. Tim Ream's going to be 39 years old or 38 years old by the time the next World Cup rolls around. So he won't be in the squad. I, I would be really shocked if Tim Ream was in the squad or even still playing at that point, but I don't know. All I'm saying is the United States has options going forward, and I'm 
Really excited. Really, really excited. Maybe we see Stefan get put back in the squad. Gabriel Salina will be put in the squad. Probably he's going to be making the move to Chelsea. So maybe he's in the squad at that point. He's only 18 years old at this point. Um, any other young players that I'm completely blanking on? I don't know if they'll. I don't know if they'll keep the 26 man squad. If they'll go back to 23, I don't know what the rules are on that one. They're talking about changing the knockout stage or the group stage. So hopefully, don't change that because this World Cup has arguably, despite all the things going on off the field, this World Cup's been the best World Cup in regards to just play, like absolute just play. It's been absolutely ridiculous. Like you saw the the Ar- Argentina just beat the crowd. I no, I almost I worded that wrong. Argentina beat Australia yesterday. You saw Messi score a goal. Obviously, Messi scored the goal. And then uh, Julian Alvarez, I believe, scored the other one. They got an own goal. I think Enzo Fernandez scored the own goal for Australia. So, yeah, 2-1. They're going to take on the Netherlands. And then France. Yeah, Kylian Mbappe is very good. Kylian Mbappe is very, very good. He's amazing. Like People always want to have those conversations between him and Erling Holland, who plays over at Manchester City. Mbappe's better. I think most people understand Mbappe's better, but Erling Holland now plays for Manchester City. Arguably the most marketable club in the world right now. I know obviously Real Madrid, Manchester United still exist, but Man City is that popular team now because they're good. They're fun to watch. They got Pep Guardiola. They got a lot of really fun players. Bruno Silva, uh, Erling Holland, Jack Grealish, Rodri, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Ilkay Gundogan, Jao Cancelo, Kyle Walker, John Stone. Like they got a great group of players. So they're going to be fun to watch. And Mbappe plays for PSG. But Mbappe scored nine goals. And he hasn't even finished his second World Cup yet. Beat Poland 3-1 to one today. And Olivier Giroud, we'll give Olivier Giroud a round of applause. Becoming France's all-time leading scorer today against Poland, scoring in the 44th minute. Really cool. And I, I think Olivier Giroud is a very interesting player. He's kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo. Like Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have a very good career when all is said and done. Like His winning percentage is going to be really, really good. His uh, completion percentage and all that stuff is going to be really solid. Giroud's got a lot of great goals. But he's a not a great goal scorer, but a scorer of great goals. That's always the thing that was said about him. Both very attractive human beings. And, yeah. Transfer a bunch. of Jimmy G will probably go to the Jets or Patriots next year. Probably the Jets with Matt, with the Fleur and Salah still there. We all, I really doubt. I could be wrong, but I really doubt that they're going to go into next season, the Jets, and go in with Mike White as the starter. I have a really hard time believing that. I think they're going to go after Jimmy Garoppolo, who will be a free agent this offseason. Like, him and Jimmy Garoppolo, him and Olivier Giroud are very similar as players. But congratulations to Giroud on becoming the all-time leading goal scorer for France. For France. And Mbappe, nine goals in two World Cups. He's already passed Messi and Ronaldo for goals in a World Cup. Like, it's re- it's stupid. It's actually stupid. And Messi got his 1,000th game the other day. He's got, oh, what was it, 1,100-something uh, goals responsible for in regards to goals and assists. Dude scored 91 goals in the calendar. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. It's not even, again, we talked about this before. I'm not going to go too much into it. But the, the gap between Messi and Ronaldo is not as close as some people want to make you believe it is. It's not close. It's not. But people want to make you believe it is. I'm not saying Ronaldo's not a great player or anything. He's one of the greatest players of all time. But, yeah, it's not, there's a gap there. There's a gap between Messi and Ronaldo. It's not, it's, yeah. Messi is just, I, I, I get in awe every time I watch Messi play. He's just awesome. Love watching Messi. And then you look at France with Kylian Mbappe. Uh, Antoine Griezmann made his 71st consecutive appearance for France today or something like that. It was ridiculous. 
And it's just funny, like Antoine Griezmann at one point was the Fran- Francis go-to guy, and then now he's a he's not their go-to guy. He's still an important figure on this team, but he's not their go-to guy. But he's still making things move, still starting, guaranteed starter. And France, yeah, dominated Poland today. Robert Lewandowski got a, a penalty in the 99th minute today. That was that was about it. That's all that happened. It's cool to see Robert Lewandowski score a goal in the last two games, but uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. France dominated, and France, uh, uh, barring something crazy happening. We should see France beat up on England in the next game. They're playing. They're playing Senegal right now. It's nil-nil right now in the 26th minute. Uh, we've had uh, Raheem Sterling leave the squad for a little bit due to some family matters. I don't know if um, he's going to be back this tournament or not, but he's going to take a little sabbatical. So we'll see if he comes back or not. But England playing a 4-3-3 in this game. But yeah, I I don't think France will have too many issues here, and I would love. I would really like to see France go back to back. Unless it's against Argentina. I, I want to see France go back-to-back unless it's against Argentina. Those are the two teams I'm rooting for. France is just an easy team to root for. Just an easy team to root for. Like, they got so many good players. They got nice uniforms as well. Like, everything you could want in your team, France has it. So, I, I, I would like to see France do something again back-to-back. I don't know how many times that's happened before. But Argentina, there's a, a collision course between Messi and Ronaldo in the World Cup final. So we'll see if that one actually goes to play. Goes to plan, but um, yeah, this World Cup's been really fun in regards to everything going on on the field. It's been really fun. And then we have other games going on in the next coming days. We have Japan taking on Croatia and Brazil taking on South Korea. And then on Tuesday, we have Morocco taking on Spain and Portugal taking on Switzerland. I think Croatia, Croatia will beat Japan. Brazil beat South Korea. Spain beat Morocco and Portugal beat Switzerland. That's what I'm looking at right now. We had Spain going to the second round of this matchup anyways, just against Belgium. I think they'll beat Morocco in this game. If they play better than what they did against Japan. Which they had, I think Japan won the game like 16% possession or something like that. Something ridiculous. I don't even remember what it was exactly, but it was something crazy. It was like the lowest percentage of possession and winning a game. Like in the last game of the tournament or something. I don't know. It was something stupid, but... Spain, I think, should be able to pull that one out. And Portugal, I think, should be able to beat Switzerland. Then we'd have matchups with Croatia versus Brazil, Spain versus Portugal. And then we might have a Euro 2016 rematch in the semifinal between Portugal and France. Remember, Portugal won that title. Ronaldo got hurt early on, and I believe Eder scored the winning goal in extra time. I didn't like France's uniforms back then, but France's uniforms now, and what they were in 2018, oh, there's some nice uniforms. Some very, very nice uniforms. But this World Cup's been awesome. In regards to everything that's gone on in the field, it's it's been really really fun. It's just a shame the United States is a uh, is now out is now out of the tournament. But you can't I, I I shouldn't be that upset because the United States I predicted them to go out to to the Netherlands. I predicted them going to the Netherlands, so I shouldn't be that upset that the United States got out to the Netherlands. I shouldn't be that upset, but I am because they played better than what I even expected them to play. But uh, we move. We move. So, uh, moving on from that, we'll go to the uh, to America, United States of America, go to the American football, and we had some big action this weekend. But before we get into the big action this weekend, I got I got some breaking news. Well, it's not really breaking news. It happened, got announced on Friday. Cade McNamara is officially Iowa's quarterback. Let's give ourselves a round of applause. <laughs> Iowa hit the transfer portal and got Cade McNamara. Cade McNamara made it official on Friday evening, or th- Thursday evening, Thursday evening. And, um... It was. It's funny because Cade McNamara, his tweet of just saying he's coming to Iowa, 
Oh, come on, Twitter. Work for me. Let's see how many how many likes this tweet is at. It's at oh, damn near 35,000 likes. This is how desperate Iowa fans are for a new quarterback. 35,000 likes. And I'm not sitting here and saying, like, Cade McNamara <laughs> is, like, not amazing or anything, but that's just how desperate they are. And Cade McNamara is a – what I would say about Cade McNamara, he's a leader – and he's, you know, very consistent. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's nothing, like, amazing. This is why they ended up going with J.J. McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy's got a stronger arm. J.J. McCarthy's more athletic. J.J. McCarthy's a former five-star, so they were going to move forward with him. You can see that kind of at the end of the season last year, we saw J.J. McCarthy start getting included in the starting lineup more. Or not in the starting lineup, but getting included in game plans more. We see him appear in a lot of games. They rotated him at the start of the year, but we knew McCarthy was going to be the starter for Michigan after the season ended, pretty much. Like, you could go back to shows at the start of the season where you're like, okay, yeah, they're, they're just being nice to McNamara, and I appreciate that. I appreciate you treating Iowa's new quarterback with respect. And it's nice. I was talking to my friend Brady yesterday, who I was with from the hours of 8.30 to 10.30 at night yesterday, watched the United States game, and then we watched every single conference championship game, and then I left before the Michigan-Purdue game ended because I was falling asleep, and Michigan kind of had that one wrapped up at that point. I don't even remember what I was going to say. Uh, oh, about how the players of Michigan would react to him transferring. I don't think they reacted bad at all. I don't think they can. I think if you're a quarterback like Cade McNamara, from what everything I have gathered around Cade McNamara, it doesn't really sound like he's really disliked in the locker room. He sounds like a very likable guy in the locker room. He's a leader of this team. So I, and he was a captain, voted captain of the team. So I don't think people are going to be upset. I think people are like, yeah, you deserve to go and play somewhere. Which is how your the mindset should be. Cade McNamara was the quarterback that got... That, Help Michigan get to the Big Ten Championship game last year. Have them win the Big Ten Championship game last year. So, yeah, he deserves to play at a top level. He's got two more years of eligibility at Iowa, which is awesome. He's already recruiting Trayshawn Holden from Alabama, who we've talked about before with Alabama. This Alabama team, in regards to their weapons outside, is not anywhere close to what they've been in the past. Not anywhere close. If this team didn't have Bryce Young, they wouldn't be anything this year. We know that. But Trayshawn Holden coming to Iowa... That, I think, is a good move. I think that's a good move. I don't think he's... I don't think Alabama's got really any receivers that star, are stars, quote-unquote stars. But Trayson Holden's a very solid wide receiver. They use him a lot of receiver screens. He's a bigger dude, but they use him a lot of receiver screens. He's going to score a, a touchdown off a screen on sat, last Saturday against Auburn. And, yeah, it's a great move. Great move for Iowa. And So, speaking of Michigan and Iowa, Michigan won the Big Ten Championship yesterday. They've dominated Purdue. It was a really weird game. I, I shouldn't say they dominated. They ended up dominating Purdue score-wise. They beat them by 21 points, 43 to 22. But Purdue was in it. Purdue was up for it. I gave them credit for that. Purdue was really up for the, this game. And it, it was an odd game, but they were up for it. Matt, uh, J.J. McCarthy, they were really bad interception in the game. But so there was Iowa's director of recruiting, I believe this is who it is. I'm not sure who this guy is. But, uh... He said, wait, wait, wait. In the Big Ten title game, the winning QB was seven, 11 for 17 with 161 yards with three touchdowns, just one INT. But all I hear is how these dudes want to go places where they just line up five yards out and sling it. Am I missing something? It's like, there, and then there was something else. Um, oh, yeah, hashtag lots of ways to win games. Lots of ways to win games. I agree with that to a certain extent. I agree with that, but you're just failing to mention that Michigan had a just a, had a 225 yards of rushing with three touchdowns on the ground as well. And he threw three touchdowns in the game. How many times did Spencer Peters throw three touchdowns in the game? Uh, none this year. 
He actually finished his last three games without throwing a single touchdown. J.J. McCarthy in this game had three passing touchdowns with 161 yards. Three passing touchdowns, 161 yards. Those three touchdowns are two off of the season total. Not season high. Season total of what Spencer Peters had. And then 161 yards. Yeah, okay, fair. You had 221 against Minnesota. Awesome. You had 192 against Purdue. 220 against Northwestern. He had some games with decent numbers of yards. That's decent. With a 55% completion percentage as well. <laughs> and this isn't like, I know we talk about completion percentages and everything. It's not a very uh, helpful number in regards to figuring out how accurate a quarterback is. But if you just watch Petrus, he's not accurate. I think his, I bet his accuracy is actually worse than 55.9%. It's actually worse than that. I bet he's hovering around somewhere around 45%. Like, he's bad. And I'm not sitting here and saying like he's all to blame for Iowa's having offense being absolutely horrific. Play calling and off-to-line play is also very much up there. But he stinks. And there's lots of ways to win football games. Yeah. Mission scored 40, what was it, 43 points? 42 points in the game? Iowa scored over 30 once. And that was against Northwestern. You are, this is like watching the Denver Broncos, essentially. You wasted an elite defense and elite special teams. And I'm not being hyperbolic. Again, that's elite. Elite, elite, elite. I'm not saying Cade McNamara will be the savior for Iowa football, but I can tell you Cade McNamara is better than that. Ten times better than that. A hundred times better than that. He might not have the arm strength. Okay, he doesn't have the same arm strength as Peters, probably. Because I don't think there's a lot of people who can throw the ball 100 yards like Peters can. That's over 100 yards past the receivers. That's not even including the 30 yards down the field the receiver already was. It's 130-yard pass. It's impressive. Yeah, there's lots of ways to win football games. But you're telling me if Iowa had a semi-average, we're not even talking about average, a semi-average offense. Let's whose offense could we compare Iowa to, or who do we want to talk about in regards to offensive competence this season? So Iowa ranked a, a measly second to last in college football yards per game, second to last. Next likes of New Mexico, who finished uh, two and ten, uh, behind UMass, who finished one and eleven, behind Colorado, who just got Deion Sanders. So congratulations to Colorado, who finished one and eleven, behind uh, Rutgers who finished 4-8, and eight, behind Colorado State, who finished 3-9, and nine, behind a bull-eligible UConn at 6-6, six and six, so congratulations to UConn, behind Western Michigan, a 5-7 and seven Western Michigan team, behind Nevada, a team they beat 27-0 earlier this year, a 2-10 and 10 Nevada team. Like, wh- where do you want me to stop? Like, th- there's so many bad teams that are above Iowa. You're telling me these teams with two wins have better offenses than Iowa does. There's more than one way to win a game. Yeah, because you're banking on your defense not getting drained by the time your offense goes back on the field. Hope they're not dead enough. Like you're just hang hopefully they hang on to life just enough to where they can be able to stop the opposing offense. You saw what happened against Ohio State. Iowa's got the top ranked defense in college football, according to Pro Football Focus. Ohio State is the top ranked offense. What happened in that game? What happened in that game? Did Iowa stifle Ohio State's offense? No. No, they didn't. They got beat by 44 points. He didn't stifle shit. Or 41. Whatever the score is. He got beat by 40-plus 40, 40 points. 
First play of the game was an interception. You keep going three and out or throwing tur- doing having turnovers and stuff like that. Your defense is going to be tired. You're going to give up a shit ton of points. Ben, but don't break's fine. But if you if you have like a, a metal pole or something, like a, a flimsy pole, and you keep bending it fast, like you can bend it slowly and it won't break right away. But if you bend it like super fast, the thing will snap like that. So if your offense keeps going three and out or turning the ball over, the defense is going to snap a lot faster than what it normally would if they were playing another team. I have no doubt Michigan could have put this total in Iowa. But Michigan played conservative in that game. They didn't really realize they had a passing offense until the Ohio State game. <laughs> like, it's... People that defend Iowa's offense this year are absolutely mind-boggling to me. I don't understand how they live their lives. It's it's weird. It's a weird existence. And then there's other people on Twitter that are like... <laughs> what do they say? They're like, uh... Oh, uh, what? Don't be a fan? Or something like that. And then there's other people like, you don't need to blindly support this. I, I've made this analogy before. Like, imagine you've got a friend that is uh, doing heroin. Very addicted to heroin. But they go to work on time. It doesn't affect their daily life, but they're doing heroin. Are you going to tell them, hey, you should probably stop doing heroin? Or are you going, oh, I support you. You go to work every day. Why do you need to stop doing heroin? Like, Iowa went to almost back-to-back into championship games. Why do they need to change the offense? It's like, this is not, it's not worth it. There's people that actually believe that. There's people that actually sit down and use their brains and think that and spew it out of their mouth. It's one thing to think it. It's another thing to actually exclaim it, to say it to somebody, someone with working ears, to say it to them, put it out there on Twitter or wherever, to blindly support Iowa's office just because you're an Iowa fan is ridiculous. And I sit here with Petrus going, like, he's probably the worst quarterback in Iowa history. Probably the worst quarterback in Iowa history. I understand there's not a lot of things, there's a lot of things that weren't going right for Iowa offensively despite Petrus. Terrible-ass play caller. Bad off the line. Good receivers. Couldn't hit them, but good receivers. But I I like that Petrus talked to the media. I think his quote about you left us dead to rights was ridiculous. It was a, one of the dumbest takes I've ever heard. Your offense still sucks major ass, Petrus. Your defense is playing really good, but your offense still reeks. But I do think he did a good job handling the media, apart from that quote. I think he did a good job at handling the media, which when you're the worst quarterback in the university's history, that could be kind of hard to deal with, I'd imagine. So, like, Jake Christensen can sleep well at night knowing that he's no longer the worst quarterback in Iowa history because I'm pretty sure Pete just passed him. And, like, it's kind of a similar situation, but it's kind of worse for Pete. I mean, Pete just got hurt. I understand that. He hurt his shoulder against Nebraska. But, uh... Yeah, we had a uh, we had a uh, what's it? Jake Christensen lose to Western Michigan on Senior Day. We had Petrus losing or Iowa again. I shouldn't say that to Petrus because he he got hurt. He didn't finish the game out. So I don't know. It was a frustrating season, a seven and five season that almost wound up with Iowa in a Big Ten championship game for the second straight year. That would be the worst team in a conference championship game ever if Iowa was in that. 
the worst offense ever. We just compared the two offenses that surround them in college football in regards to offensive rankings are New Mexico and UMass with a combined record of 3-21. and And Iowa almost went to a conference championship game. They were a lost Nebraska from getting ass-blasted by Michigan in the conference championship game. I know they played well against Michigan once this year. That was well. It wasn't good. Played all right against Michigan. But man, in regards to the other games this weekend in conference championship games, uh, Utah got or Utah blasted USC. Georgia beat LSU. LSU played well with their backup quarterback Nussmeier. He played really well. Nussmeier played really well. But uh, Georgia is too much. They scored fifty points. <laughs> just too much. Uh, Michigan beat Purdue forty three twenty two. Kansas State. Beat TCU in overtime. Max Duggan gave a performance for Heisman that I've never seen before. Pulled out the <laughs> the America's Got Talent strategy to get in the playoff, which worked. The crying at the end of the game, it might it was legit. I'm not sitting here and saying it wasn't legit, but it is funny. Just thinking about that, like when people like, man, I don't know if that was good enough to to warrant going on to the next round. Actually, my did I mention my mom has cancer? Oh, you're through. They have the sob story. It was kind of like this, kind of like that. I thought it was kind of funny, but I respect Max Duggan a ton. Played awesome in this game. Gave everything on the field for TCU. And now they're going to the playoff. We have Clemson beating up in North Carolina 39-10. DJU got benched. Klubnik, 279 yards passing and touchdown in the game as well. And then Tulane beat up on UCF 45-28. And they're going to be going to the Sugar Bowl, I believe. The Cotton Bowl. Cotton Bowl. But yeah, the College Bowl playoff got announced today. And thankfully, there's no real surprise. After USC got blasted by Utah, the College Bowl playoff ended up being... Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and Ohio State. And I I thought TCU would drop one spot. But I am happy that they didn't. I did kind of want to see Ohio State-Michigan in the semifinals. But we have a chance to see them play for the national championship game. With Ohio State taking on Georgia, Michigan taking on TCU. But Ohio State didn't play, so Ohio State shouldn't move up. Unless, uh, like... I don't, I don't know. Two spots after not playing is kind of weird, so it makes sense. But I think that's the, that was the right move. That was the right move. I didn't even re, I didn't even think about this before the game started, but people were basically saying TCU, would, TCU was in no matter what, had they lost to Kansas State or had they beat Kansas State. And they ended up getting in, which, I, again, I'm happy about. I want to see Max Duggan do well. Max Duggan taking on Michigan should be a very interesting game. In Ohio State, Stroud, Harrison, Egbuka, Egbuka uh, Jack Smith and Jigba versus Georgia will be insanely fun insanely fun. That might be one of the best college football playoff games ever. Ohio State, Georgia. Awesome game. In theory. In theory, of course. But it should, it should be a really fun one. And in regards to the Heisman Trophy, I'm I'm confused. I, I'm getting more confused as the season's progressed because Caleb Williams had a good game against Utah for the most part. He had a good game. But uh, <laughs> they got beat. By 23 points in the conference championship game. 23 points. Tied at 20 at halftime. Or no, tied at 17 at halftime, sorry. Utah scored 30 points in the second half to Utah USC 7. So, d- does Williams still win the Heisman? He had a fumble in the game, which wasn't great. Threw an interception, not great. But he threw three touchdowns in the game. I, d- I don't know. I'm in a weird crossroads right now. Who gets the Heisman? Did Duggan just win the Heisman after losing to Kansas State? I think Duggan should be invited. I don't think Duggan will win it. I still think Caleb Williams will probably win the Heisman. It's probably go Williams, Stroud, 
Duggan or Young at three and four, and then Hooker and Corum. Hooker and Corum are both out for the season. Corum just had knee surgery. Hooker tore his ACL. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the Heisman Trophy is going to look like. It's a very wide open race. I think Williams should win it. I think it should be. A, it'll be a very close vote. I don't know how many people they're going to bring. I probably there might bring four. I think they should bring six. I think Corum and Hooker should both go, even though they're not going to win it. Even though they're probably not going to finish in the top four or three, they should both go because they've both been in the Heisman conversation all season before getting injured. So I think both those guys should be mentioned or get a trip to New York out of it. But I think the main guys we're looking at are like Williams, Stroud, Duggan, and Young. Maybe we see Marvin Harrison Jr. in the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Maybe we see him get an invite there. I don't I don't know if he will, but maybe we see something with him there because he had 50, 1,100 yards, 12 touchdowns this season, averaged 16.1 yards per catch, like – He's the best receiver in college football. And he'll be top, top pick next year's draft as well. But yeah, it's a Heisman Trophy is going to be weird. It's very weird. I thought it was pretty open last year, but then Bryce Young went off like four and something yards against Jordan in the SEC championship game. And that kind of sealed him winning the Heisman Trophy that year, last year. And I even think I was talking to Brady about this yesterday. I don't think, despite even Young not winning the trophy, I think Young's still the best quarterback in college football. I know he's probably not going to win the trophy, but as Charles Barkley said, just because he won the MVP over Jordan does not make him better than Jordan. And that season, just because Jordan didn't win the MVP against Barkley does not mean Barkley was a better overall player than Jordan that season. I think everybody knows Jordan better than Barkley, but Barkley just had a just won the MVP. It's kind of how Bryce Young is to me. I mean, Bryce Young is the number one quarterback in the draft still, and I think Bryce Young is the best quarterback in college football. And it's going to be interesting to see because we're probably going to have a mock draft on Friday because none of the quarterbacks played in our top 10 quarterback rankings from last week. None of them played in conference championship weekend. So a reminder, our, our top 10 was uh, Young, Stroud, Richardson, Levis, Hooker, Nix, Hall, Penix, McKee, and Ward. That was our top 10. None of them played in conference championship weekend. The only one that – there was one that was close, and that was Jaden Daniels, but he got hurt. And then Max Duggan was another one that we mentioned in the honorable mention section, but yeah, it is no one played, so there's really no point to update it and just keep going. So we might try to do a mock draft for Friday. We'll see if that one actually comes to fruition. I think it'd be fun to do a mock draft. I kind of dilly-dallied around some mock drafts recently, so we'll see if those actually come to fruition. There's a recent report that came out that said uh, Anonymous GM says he believes three or four, three, maybe four, will take a quarterback with the top ten picks in the NFL draft. This is December 4th, so I really don't know how accurate that would be, but we can all kind of imagine the first three taken will probably be Young, Stroud, Levis. Regardless of what you think, those are probably going to be the first three taken. I think Richardson should be up there as well because uh, I think he's insanely talented. But I, there's part of me that's like, I wish he'd just go back, but it looks like he's going to go to the NFL this year, which I think is cool too. I think it's cool too, but I do kind of wish he'd stay back at Florida. But who knows? Who knows? His traits are ridiculous, so we'll see if that uh that works out. Oh, I, this is something I've I've seen. To, uh, I saw I screenshotted this yesterday because I always love these takes. Uh, Georgia would legit give half the NFL teams a serious headache. This is one of the stupidest takes in sports. Any college team beating a professional team is stupid. I remember a couple of years ago when Kentucky was undefeated in basketball, they were talking about which team would win the 95-96 Bulls or the Kentucky Wildcats with the Harrison brothers starting at guard. Really? 
We're talking about who's going to win that game. We got the greatest team in NBA history taking on a team that didn't even want to call a championship at Kentucky. Or the, that year when they were undefeated, they lost to Wisconsin in the national championship game. It's ridiculous. Georgia might have 15 to 20 players on their roster that will go to the NFL. Out of 100, and, 100 plus players, 15 to 20 of them will probably go to the NFL. All 53 players on the Texans are in the NFL. All 53. So you got maybe 20 versus 53. I don't think people really grasp that around these guys. Like, Georgia's the best players from high school. The NFL's the best players from college. Georgia's in high Georgia's college. Now all their players are going to go to the NFL. I think there's a shot, maybe, that they could beat like a USFL team or or an XFL team, or something. That's even lightly. I don't firmly believe that. I'm not going to sit here and die on that hill that they could beat an XFL or USFL team. I also found out USFL is going to year two. Didn't even know they made it out of their first season. Didn't know who won the championship or anything. Didn't follow that uh, didn't follow that squat last year. Kind of forgot it existed. I saw commercials yesterday watching the Big Ten championship game. But no, no college team has ever beaten an NFL team. You can go to the 0-16 Browns, 0-16 Lions, the, 70, the expansion Bucks, whoever. You're not beating an NFL team with a college team. It's not happening. So people need to stop doing that ridiculous take. It's <laughs> and the dude. So someone said uh, Georgia has 15 to 10 to 15 NFL players. Every team has 53. Georgia and the guy responded. Georgia has 10 to 15 NFL players on this in one class. Multiply by that by that by four. They come back to me. That's a ridiculous ass take. Ridiculous, ridiculous ass take. That's almost as ridiculous as <laughs> saying. Man, remember when Iowa <laughs> did this on offense? And everybody bashed it and Michigan does it? Stupid. I am excited for McNamara. He's on the recruiting trail already, which is fun to see. Hopefully he actually gets someone. Oh, we didn't even talk. Oh, I guess we're going to go to the NFL right now. Uh, Bills beat the Patriots. Freaking awesome. Bills won uh, pretty convincingly in a very boring 24-10 win. Very boring. Uh, but it happened. I mean, it fell, it fell right into the the spectrum of Thursday night football games this season. But like the Patriots stink. They're six and six. They stink. I don't know how that team managed to get six wins. They are not good. They're insanely frustrating to watch. I watched the T boy, my dad on Thursday. And it's, it's just so frustrating. Like, I mean, that's what you get when you have Matt Patricia, Joe judge led offense, like James cook. I think they're finally letting him be the main guy because if you just look at the running back, Bills running backs in regards to talent, James Cook's easily the most talented running back the Bills have. Physically gifted running back the Bills have, whatever you want to call it, James Cook should be the starter eventually. But the thing with the Bills, they baby everybody into everything, and it's so frustrating. Let James Cook cook. Let James Cook, Sean McDermott. And at 64 yards, led the Bills in rushing. He had over 100 yards total offense in a 24-10 to 10 win. Josh Allen didn't really do anything that spectacular in this game. Didn't need to. They ran the ball well in this game, which is nice to see. And, yeah, there's really not a lot else to talk about that. Boring game win against the Patriots, as expected. 24-10. In regards to NFL action that's happening today, we have the Steelers beating the Falcons 16-6. Bears beating the Packers 16-10. And I, I think I saw this yesterday, that these are they're currently joint on total wins in NFL history. So just happened that this game would be today. Weird how that one worked out. 
But uh, the Bears are winning 16-10. Justin Fields had a nice 50-something-yard touchdown run in this game, 70 yards rushing in the game for him. And, yeah, nice game for the Bears so far. Hopefully they can hold it out. Lions are beating the Jaguars 23-6. You have the Vikings beating the Jets 20-6 with Mike White throwing interception 121 yards passing. You have the Giants beating the Commanders 20-13. Eagles beating the Titans 21-10. Broncos beating the Ravens 3-6. Lamar Jackson, I believe, got knocked out of this game. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, uh, what other games are happening? Oh, the Browns and Texans, 7-5 in Deshaun Watson's return to Houston in his first game this season. He has an interception so far. He's 118 yards passing with eight, 10 of 18 with an interception. 7-5. What a barn burner this game is. Yeah, I didn't really care about any of the, the morning games today or the afternoon games. I These late afternoon games, Dolphins, Niners, Chiefs, Bengals, yeah, I, I care about those games. I don't watch those ones. I don't want to. Watch, I don't really care about any of the other games that are happening today. I want to watch those two, because if the Bengals beat the Chiefs and the Niners beat the Dolphins, Bills got number one seed in the playoffs again. So big Dolph, big Niners, big Bengals fans. I already like both teams anyway, so it's pretty easy for me to root for them. Like they're probably my, well, they're in my top five teams I like in the NFL. <laughs> like I would have the Bills in my top five. We already talked about Bengals and Niners. The Chargers are going to be in my top five. And then who? Uh, Ravens. I like the Ravens. So is that my top five? Yeah, it probably is. Is there anybody on bye weeks? That, no. I mean, there is two on bye weeks, but I don't care about them. So yeah, those are my top five favorite teams in the NFL if I had to have five teams. So Bills, Niners, Bengals, Chargers, Ravens. So those are my, those are my five favorite teams. If I had to choose like five teams I like, let's do five favorites, five least favorite teams. So five least favorite, the Chiefs, Patriots, uh, Dolphins. Who else would be on this list? Mm. I don't hate the Jaguars as much as I used to. I really didn't like the Jaguars growing up. I mean, I not growing up, but like when Josh Allen got drafted and Jalen Ramsey, and then they went they, the year before they went ten and six, talked a load of shit. Like after having Blake Bortles at quarterback, it was a frustrating team. Um. So what, we got the Chiefs, Patriots, Dolphins. I don't really hate, hate the Jets, but I think I'd have to put them up there. And then, because um, I don't think I hate other teams more than the Jets. Oh, the Cowboys. Cowboys at five, probably. I don't know, I don't like the Broncos. I, I, don't, I don't like a lot of teams in the NFL. I like those five, and that's about it. Oh, the Titans are definitely up there. Who else would it like be easily up there? The Steelers, definitely up there. I don't know. I those are probably my five least and favorite teams, favorite and least favorite teams in the NFL at this point. I don't know. I I'm trying to figure out if I have like a a vast majority of list or vast majority of teams that I just absolutely despise. Oh man. Oh man. I with that being said though, I think I'm gonna stop here. I got my voice kind of back, but uh, I I kind of just want to stop. My throat's not feeling the greatest right now. But we're going to stop here. We're going to have some stuff coming up for you on Wednesday. Again, we'll try to have a mock draft out for you by Friday. We'll see if that actually works out. Again, we got the college football playoff all selected. I think it was a pretty easy one. I think everybody's happy with this playoff. I think everybody should be happy. I think everybody is happy. This is how it should be. This is how it should be. I wouldn't have been like upset or overtly angry if Alabama made it, but I know a lot of people would have, so it wouldn't have, I would have actually been kind of would have been funny to see Bama make the playoff. We have Army-Navy going on next weekend, which should be really, really fun. Love that game. 
And, uh, yeah, we have Sunday Night Football. We have the Colts and Cowboys on tonight. We have the Saints-Bucks on tomorrow. Is that pretty much it? Is that all I wanted to cover today? Let's see how England and uh, Senegal are doing right now. I guess I don't know what's going on in that game. What's going on in that game? England's up 2-0, which is not really surprising. Harry Kane scored and Jordan Henderson scored. Yeah, not really surprising that England's starting to pull away there. They should win that game. It sets up a very fun matchup with France in the next round. So, excited to see that game. I hope you enjoyed the show. If not, I severely apologize. Sincerely apologize. If you did enjoy, we'll try to make, keep similar content up for next show. And uh, make sure, again, you follow Logan Blavish on every single form of social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to Apple Podcasts and Spotify most of, most of all. And leave a rating out of five stars. Could be a one star. Could be a five star. Don't care. Just leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. And I will see you all later. Peace.